Welcome to the You, Me and the GP radio show, a health exercise and nutrition show for over 40s who want to get back to their best. Discover how to keep yourself fit, healthy and full of energy. Each week, your hosts Rich Clark and Dr. Mark Daniels will answer your questions and interview special guests. Rich Clark is an exercise scientist and nutritionist who helps over 40s thrive, not just survive in today's busy world. Dr. Mark Daniels is a practicing GP with 25 years experience. He's had notable success with his patients using simple dietary changes rather than medication to provide improvements. Living in Wales with their families, they see the effect poor health has on people on a daily basis and how easily it can be turned around. Sit back and enjoy our tips and advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of You, Me and the GP. Um, you, as uh, me, Rich Clark. I'm here today with Dr. Delana Davis. Is that correct, yes? Uh, correct, yes. Um, I am a, not a medical doctor. I have a PhD in ruminant nutrition, which is uh, the feeding of cattle and sheep. Fantastic. Um, we're without the doctor today, so I am f- flying solo. Usually, we have the we have a GP who runs the show with me. So, if you want to tell everybody, obviously, um, a bit more about the the day to day stuff and what your the aim of your role is. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm a farmer's wife. I'm a farmer's daughter, and. Um, I had a first degree in, in agriculture and then I pursued research in agriculture to do with uh, feeding animals and um, looking at the function of the rumen, which um, all cattle and sheep have four stomachs. And uh, the rumen is very important because, um, unlike us, they actually um, live off the fermentation products of this rumen. So when they're eating their grass and, and silage in the winter or hay, they ferment that uh, to produce products that actually nourish them. So um, my work these days, I work as a, a nutritionist. I do advisory work for on farm. Um, I work out the energy and protein requirements of the animals on the farm. Um, we analyse the, the silage and the hay that they have to feed over the winter. And then I balance up rations for them based on how much energy the animal requires and how much protein they require. And uh, the farmers feed those through the winter and that enables them to uh, produce their animals um, to the right standard. And it allows them also to produce them uh, as economically as, as they can without overfeeding or underfeeding. Brilliant. Um, and I also work at the moment as a um, manager in the Farming Connect programme, which is a, a government-run programme, uh, a Welsh government-run programme in Wales, um, funded with European money. And uh, I'm involved in the knowledge transfer side of, of that programme. And uh, I work to provide information and advice for farmers we run meetings for them. We source the the, the best uh, expertise in in the fields, um, and uh, we develop the program according to the needs and requirements of the farmers to produce the the best product at uh, economically and s- sustainably um, in in today's world. Well, it uh, sounds very uh, exciting, really, and something which. It's nice for me as a consumer to hear that there's so much uh, kind of um, 
joined up working and everybody is sort of uh, on the same page then and it's not so much uh, competitive uh, as it mm-hmm. is um, people as out there trying to share knowledge. Mm-hmm. Gonna go back a little bit, you've mentioned that you analyse the silage and then and is it on based on the results of that then you mm-hmm. sort of say right well that has got X, Y or Z in it mm-hmm. so we need to give mm-hmm. them A, B and C sort of thing. Yeah. So in a way they, they get bet more balanced input than a human being oh yes definitely i i think uh, we're a lot more uh, scientific about feeding our animals than we are feeding ourselves despite what we think about uh, all, all the knowledge we have about human nutrition um i don't think we we pay um as much careful attention to it as we do feeding our animals um i can i know what is the maintenance requirement of um, animals according to their weight is and I know how much energy they need to produce a litre of milk I know how much energy they need to produce a kilogram of live weight gain and I can work out rations for the farmers on the basis of that wow. and obviously it, it's to their um, advantage to, to actually follow these plans because it allows them to produce the product uh, that, that is required um, for the right um, standard quality and also as economically as, yes. as possible. I think that's an interesting uh, point and it's a fine balance to strike um, making money and providing quality. Um, it's sort of a, a fine line that everybody has to toe. So I want you to explain uh, to, to the listeners how Obviously, in the animal uh, and the, the farming industry, size is important on an animal, and they mm-hmm. fatten them up, and you hear these mm-hmm. different things. Mm-hmm. But where is the line drawn between overfattening and health, and and the quality of the meat and, and things? So, what are mm-hmm. things are in place to ensure the mm-hmm. you know you? I would say we're going to go on to hormones and drugs and things mm-hmm. in a minute, but mm-hmm. you know what what do we do um, to ensure that we have the best um, mm-hmm. at the at a good price? Well, we're fortunate in Wales um, that we're very good at growing grass and all farmers in Wales aim to make the best use of grass because that is their cheapest product and humans can't eat grass so we need animals to harvest it for us to create the proteins so that we can benefit from it. Um, So the the first point on the farm is to make the best use of grass. Now grass doesn't grow so well through the winter but it grows exceptionally well. 70% of grass growth happens in April, May and June. So there's a surplus for that time of year. So we need to conserve that. uh, And the way we do that is we make silage, which is basically pickling grass in its own naturally uh, acid conditions. Um, There's sugars in the grass, and they get fermented in in, uh, the silage to produce lactic acid, and that preserves the grass for for the winter. And once you've got... um, clamp we call it which is a, a big pile of silage and you seal it properly that in lasts lovely black for, bags you see yes yes, yes. yes or, or even a, a big black sheet you see in some farms um, that will last for years it's, it's stable for years wow so we, we start with that for the winter and then we add to that um, sometimes the farmers that grow their own cereals uh, cereals is a very natural uh, project product and it complements the, the grass well because of it has starch in it, um, and the, the grass and the silage don't have starch. And it's starch that you need to lay down a fat cover on an animal, which finishes an animal. We call it finishing. And now you might think, well, you don't need fat. Oh, yes, you do. I, I, yes. But fat is where the taste comes from. Of course from. it is. And I'm, I have a butcher who's a friend, and he's explained that to right. me. So, yes. Yeah, there you are. So 
Um, when you're finishing an animal off, it's getting just that right degree of fat cover on it. So farmers either grow their own cereals to do that, or they can buy in concentrates or cake, we affectionately call yes, it, right. um, in, in the agriculture world. Um, and they buy that from feed compounders, of which we have several locally. Um, and all and that cake is a natural, feed. still a little natural. Yeah, it's based on cereals, right. but it, it also contains protein sources as well. Because um, when it, when you're producing an animal, they go through first a growth phase, hmm. and as uh, young adolescents do, they need more protein in hmm. the growth phase. Yes. So we formulate the rations to provide enough protein for them to grow. And then towards the finishing stages, we switch the balance onto more starch, more cereal, and that lays down the fat cover just enough. And and there's optimum specifications. All carcasses get graded, and we aim to produce this optimum level of fat cover, which can vary. I mean, the supermarkets like perfectly lean meat, so Mm. that they don't really want any white on on this Mm. at all. If you go to your butcher, he'll say, "Oh, you've got, but you've got to have a bit of fat for my taste." My butcher and my fat on my steaks is massive. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. Yes. and uh, I mean you can cut it off afterwards, mm. but that uh, gives the taste to the yes. meat because yes. that's where the the flavonoids are, the, the 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 things that make your steak taste really good. And also, it's advantageous to have intramuscular fat yes. in your steak because that when you cook it, it goes out into the meat and it makes it very succulent and, and tasty again. So, um, depending on what you want, traditionally, probably the the older population, they like that bit of fat and they like yes. that, that uh, bit of taste. If you're going to the supermarket and you're buying mints or something, mm. they don't want any fat in no, it at all. So, um, producers today have learned to target their markets. You know, it, it depends who you're selling your your animals too and they have a specification if you're selling to a butcher then you produce it slightly differently to what you're selling to the mass right. supermarket, supermarket trade yes, yes. obviously I don't want you to put you on the spot too much and we're not here to slate the supermarkets because plenty of people have done that but would you say generally a butcher's is a better quality meat as opposed to a supermarket or is it not as simple you can normally be guaranteed that you're getting locally sourced meat with your butcher, right. with the supermarkets, um, and there's been uh, quite a lot in the press recently, isn't it? You, mm. They found out that uh, actually the, the meat started off in somewhere in, in far Europe and then made its way to another country, another country, and then France, and then Ireland, and then right. ended up in the, on the supermarket shelf in this country. Okay, um, so generally, um, yes, to get locally sourced meat, to know that it's Welsh, and Welsh beef and Welsh lamb have a very high um, status in the European meat trade mm. because um, Hubby Key Cymru, which is Welsh Meat Promotions, have achieved project, uh, protected geographical indicator status mm. for Welsh lamb and beef. It's almost like the champagne and... It is. Right, yes, right. I heard yes, about this yes, a long champagne. time ago. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, like a brand. Only, yeah. Yes, only uh, very special products can get it. But Welsh beef and lamb are recognised as being PGI status, and um, they are selling it into Europe to for the very high class restaurants in Europe, and it's perceived to be um, a, a really good product as far as taste and, and uh, quality goes. So I'm we're lucky enough to be able to get that in your local butchers you uh, are, living in Wales, so we're very you fortunate. And your butcher will probably be able to tell you, well, it was Mr. So-and-so in the farm down the road yeah. that supplied me with this, because yeah. they do buy more locally. Mm. Um, if you go to your supermarket, I mean, the, the, the supermarkets are, are getting better these days. They're, they're realising people want this link with, mm. with their food and where it yes. comes from. 
And I've, I've noticed in a uh, supermarket particularly, they're actually putting photos of their farmers or produce yeah, I've seen their it, food yes. on the packages, mm. which is a nice link to do. Yes, definitely. And, and always ask where your meat comes from and always ask to, to make sure that you're buying Welsh or, or at least British meat in, in mm. the supermarkets. And, and that will help um, sustain the, the far, farmers in this country because farming, so they're not making loads of money because farmers can't uh, fix the price for their product. Hmm. You know, it's kind of dictated to else, them a bit, is it? Yes. Yeah. Anyone, anyone who's producing a product in a factory can say, right, that's what it's cost me to produce it. I'm going to put a margin on and that's what I'm going to sell it for. Um, farmers can't do that. They have to take what the price is in the market and it's very tightly controlled um, all the way along the food chain. There's not much margin uh, to be made from it, except perhaps the supermarkets are making more than anyone else. Yes, yes, uh, they're good <laughs> at that. So the, the, the farmers have to take the, the market price, and, yeah. and there's without their single farm payment, a lot of them would not make a living It's not worth their while doing no, it. So and, no. and really, they're providing the best meat and the best service, and they're not yes. really profiting from and it, which is ridiculous. Product that, that nothing yeah. else can use. It's like know? they produce the gold version of, of, of beef, and they're getting pay, paid the bronze price for it, perhaps, yes, uh, the same yes. as everybody else. So yes. they're not really being rewarded no, for the quality, then. strict standards that, mm. that they have to adhere to. There, there is a, a farm assurance mm. um, a scheme uh, within Wales and, and it's farm assured Welsh livestock and it's administered by um, Welsh lamb and beef promotions in Aberystwyth and every farm has to have an inspection every year to make sure they're complying with all the standards and it is literally pages and pages of going through the welfare of the animal mm. um, the um, medi- medication use on the farm every time you give the animal any antibiotics or any medication of any sort you have to write it down in a book and every medication comes with a length of time that they call a withdrawal period and you have to observe that before the animal can be killed for human consumption right okay so there's never any residues in the meat so basically if they were on antibiotics last month they they couldn't have cut it up and salted last month they'd have to wait a while for it to get healthy and well again and and fight off the the infection like yes right okay that's really for the antibiotic residues to to be eliminated and they all have different withdrawal times depending on how long they would remain within the animal well um, that's brilliant to they know. can be up to two or three months on, on some products and then other products can be only seven days right okay so, uh, so uh, depending and that's on all heavily using. sort of um, policed it, and it regulated policed, there. and yes. you can only buy uh, your medicines from um, vet- veterinary um, surgeons who um, are licensed to uh, give them and that triggers off some sort of inspection later on or some sort of uh, yeah, well, paperwork it's a routine, process yeah it's a yeah. routine inspection you, that you get every year and mm. every animal is tagged at birth and the, you have to have a traceability of that animal you right know what the way his back. mother and his father is and it's followed all the way through life um, right. on its year tag number to hear this is music to my ears because I'm not sure if you're aware but on the old internet, there, there's a lot of kind of um, paranoia and, and sort of scaremongering. And I'll be honest, I've been part of it myself. I didn't understand until I've obviously spoken to your daughter and her mm-hmm. partner, and I've, I've asked them about farming. And tell everybody the amount of hormones and antibiotics used in British farming, Delena. 
Right. Um, hormones are not licensed to be used Wonderful. in the feeding of animals. They are completely outlawed throughout the whole of Europe. That is not necessarily the same all over the world. Mm. The, the American feedlots do allow the use of hormones, but a conscious decision was made within Europe, um, and this would have been about 15, 20 years ago, mm. that no growth promoters uh, that would be allowed, a hormonal growth, growth promoters allowed in the feeding of animals. So there is none of, of that, that that goes on. Brilliant. Um, with the use of antibiotics... Um, in the case of beef and lamb production, there's no antibiotics used routinely to uh, for those animals. They are only used in if those animals get ill Sick, yeah. and they need the, those antibiotics. And then they're only allowed to be given under veterinary prescription because they're prescription-only medicines. You're not mm. allowed to give them. Um, uh, well, you're not allowed to buy them. Yeah, I've got them in stock to just give them willy-nilly you, or anything. You can't now. go down to your chemist and buy them. And no. again, that is different to some other countries in the world. Um, in Ireland, I believe you can go into your chemist shop and buy uh, things what? to give to your animals. Right. Um, which I suppose is the same as a, a human can do for, for themselves. Yeah, self-medicating or, or DIY yeah. sort of... Um, yes. yes it's but no, it, it, within um, feeding uh, and looking after animals, then uh, only your vet is allowed to prescribe. And you can't go to a different vet, to your own vet. Your vet has got to know your holding and... Vets these days, they're much more proactive in um, part of farm assurances that you do animal health planning. So there's more preventative medicines rather than proactive uh, treatment medicines. So, so trying to keep them healthy in the first place, yes. as, as so we're, we're trying to do with us humans. Yeah. for example, to stop animals getting ill in the first place. Um, mm. You can vaccinate towards pneumonia mm. in your animals and then they're less likely to get pneumonia so you mm. won't have to give them antibiotics but mm. you're giving them a vaccine instead which is more cost effective yes. and better for the animal as well. And uh, the vaccines, what's in the vaccines? Do they, does that put, got potential to come down the food chain at all? Or? No, not no. at all. It just um, causes the animal to produce some antibodies um, to fight off disease. So um, it, it's the same in it's humans. Nice natural, you, you go for your flu jab. Uh, mm, I don't, but yeah, people do <laughs> yeah. sort yes. of thing. Yes, yes. yes. Um, it's exactly the same. You know, it produces antibodies. So if you're challenged by that infection, mm. then you can fight it off. Yeah. 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 Oh, interesting. I'd uh, probably like to ask more questions on the um, the the vaccines, but I'm not going to go into that um, sort of now. I'm going to keep it on point. Here. The whole purpose of the day, really, Delano, was to you feed my food. Mm-hmm. You feed the food that I eat, yeah. so I wanted yeah. to know exactly yeah. what's going on to these animals, and, mm-hmm. and I'm already really um, mm-hmm. kind of being kind of buoyed with more confidence um, oh. because it's nice to you. Uh, we live in Wales. We live in, mm-hmm. We're in the right spot really yes. to, to get yes. the quality. So yes. moving on from that, then I'm a big fan of grass-fed meat and this, that, and the other. And obviously, I, I realise now I'm getting it um, wherever I get it going in mm-hmm. the butchers in Wales. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in that case. How fine is the line between organic and grass-fed cure in Wales? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. what is the big difference, right. really? Yeah. Um, there, there really isn't an awful lot of difference in the actual um, animal product. In fact, there probably isn't any difference mm. in the animal product because organic production um, concentrates on 
they try and, and approach a nil use to antibiotics. Yes, that's right. If they have any antibiotics, they have to be products. removed from the organic. Yes, yes. Mm. Or they have to observe even more longer withdrawal times. Right. Because obviously there is an, an animal welfare issue. I mean, if, if an animal in an organic situation becomes ill mm. and the vet comes out and says, well... I'm going to have to give it antibiotic. You're not going to say, well, because it's organic, I can't give no, it antibiotic. No, let it die or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll let it become really ill. So the, they still have to have the treatment, but you have to have a special licence to give them that treatment. Mm. And then, whereas the, the normal withdrawal period for that product might be a month, you, they, they make it three or four months or right. something oh, yeah, because sure. you've treated it within an organic situation. Um, so you're buying into a, probably a more... Um, a way of of farming than a different product hmm. so you you know the way that the organic um uh, animals have been produced at the end of the day there is no difference between that product as far as eating quality goes hmm. but it's just a different way of getting to the same point and there aren't more toxic chemicals in the grass-fed welsh beef as opposed to an organic no, organic farmers do not use bought-in fertilisers. They only use muck and slurry off their own farm. Mm. Um, conventional farmers, which is the opposite to organic, mm. are allowed to use, add some nitrogen to their grass to make more grass, mm. if you like. Um, and that is not allowed in an organic system. And is that uh, a toxic that just, chemical, that nitrogen? No, no. The, it's the, the a nitrogen, normal, like MPK. They, they, yes, they, yeah. Right. There's, there's phosphate and potash as well, which yes. they can put on. But farmers get most of their phosphate and potash from the muck that they put on the land. Right. Um, and it's to their advantage to use that. And we do actually um, analyse our soils to see how much... Nitrogen, phosphate, and potash. So a fertilizer is different to a pesticide, then, for oh, example, yes, yes, and yes. that differentiation is important. Yes, so yes. uh, fertilizer is more of a natural thing yes, to boost is. the grass yes. up, and then obviously, what and pesticide yes, use uh, yes. here in Wales much? No, not in growing grass uh, right. or silage. Because so the it, cows are not consuming not, pesticides. No, uh, no, right, brilliant. No, no, um, you, pesticides are generally used in very intensive arable kind of systems. Mm. So over in East Anglia, where they grow a lot of um, wheat and um, uh, a sort of rapeseed meal That's and right, things yes. like that, they they would be um, using uh, you know more trying to control the bugs and, from uh, destroying yes. their crops. But there, there's no need to use them on on grass or silage. You know oh. the the grass doesn't get. We're lucky. <laughs> yeah, well, it seems like we are really lucky <laughs> in Wales um, that, yeah. that we've got this sort of um, environment which is really conducive to producing yes, such high yes. quality. You know, so you've only got to drive five, five minutes and everything's green. So yes, it's nice to hear that uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're using some sense and logic and, and, and using the natural resources, like you well, said. Well, and know? it makes economical sense as well. Talk, you know, that, that's the only way really mm. the farmers can survive. I guess the grass is free. You'd be surprised how technical grass production is Can become sort of thing. It's um, not quite as simple. Uh, looking at the, the nitrogen, phosphate and potash in the soils, we look at the pH of our soils mm. um, because if the pH uh, is not right then you don't get the absorption of the nutrients in the right balance so mm. uh, sometimes we have to add lime you may occasionally see a field that's white it's had white powder put on it 
that is lime, which neutralises the acidity of the pH, and then the field performs better, so, and, and the grass is sweeter. And, and it's clever, very, very so good. So we're, uh, we're quite technical yeah. um, about our grass growing. And these are things, some things are modern, I'm thinking, but a lot of these farming practices have been going on for decades and centuries. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, this is the way it's been done. Yes, certainly. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Plant breeders have bred different varieties of grass now and they're continuing to breed newer varieties all the time. So they're trying to produce grasses that are uh, more appropriate for us in Wales, you know, that grow well under the conditions we have in Wales. They're trying to produce grasses that will grow better up the mountains because obviously the mountain grass is not as productive. So they're they're trying to use genes from all over the world, incorporate it into the the grass. Um, We have a very good plant breeding station in Aberystwyth which has exported Aber grasses all over the world wow. and they're trying to produce higher sugar grasses which again is better for the animals because they grow better on higher mm. sugar grasses so uh, well, there's an awful lot of uh, work that's going on there fantastic, to, uh, to produce our food yeah it's fantastic so really then in ways we can get away with just buying good quality meat from our butchers We've spoken a lot about meat. I just wanted to touch on poultry. Uh, is there any big differences there? And, and I, you know, are you horror stories of egg to shelf in 12 or 16 weeks and this, that and the other? But then again, mm. that's mm. all information I just... Growth mm. hormones mm. and things like that. Mm. Is the poultry industry any different to the, the, the meat um, and, and, and the farming kind of cattle? Right. Um, poultry are different um, because they're not ruminants. So they don't have these four stomachs the cattle and sheep have. Mm. They're simple-stomached animals, more like us. Mm. So they can't um, produce um, a poultry animal that's fit for the table in um, a short period of time on on grass. You you can have hens that are laying eggs sort of... um, pecking around in, in grass or whatever but range and all this, to yeah. produce the amount of chicken that is eaten um, in, in this country mm. you know they have to be in units where they're intensively fed um, and they normally don't go outside you can buy mm. a more welfare friendly mm. um, chicken and, and turkey for Christmas yes. that have been free range uh, but they will cost more because they need more land to do it they take longer to get to the same point, so uh, there's higher cost there as well. Uh, but it means that the, the poultry are housed and they have to be fed on cereals. Right. So they're uh, buy-in um, concentrate feed uh, based on cereals and protein. Um, I, I'm not um, fully aware of how much um, they use medications. I know that there is a greater propensity for things going wrong in a broiler house. If you imagine that you've got hundreds or, or thousands of, of chickens all sharing the same space, if mm. one of them got ill, then it could spread very quickly. quickly. Of course. So they have to always be mindful of that and, and watch them very carefully and, and make sure that, that they're healthy. Um, so they may add medication, um, maybe in the water, maybe in the food, if right. there's a problem occurring. Okay. Um, but it's our sort of value meat, if you like. Yes, I mean, yes. That's there's what nothing it's all about. as cheap a source of protein. They're good feed converters. You know, you, you can mm. 
um, get um, sort of a kilo of lightweight gain from two kilos of food. So well, it's, ve- it's very efficient. Whereas a ruminant animal, sort of thing, you're yeah. talking about seven to ten kilos by the time they get into the finishing stage of kilos of dry matter of food to produce one kilo of gain. Of mass. Although we can do it cheaper because we can use the grass to, mm. to do it. Um, so it, it's a very intensive um, process. They're very uh, bred towards producing this um, you know, uh, uh, chicken for, um, I, th- I think they can do it in sort of 10, 12 weeks um, to, to the table um, now. Mm. Is that a bit worrying bread. for you, really, in your heart of hearts? What, well, what, do you buy Tesco value? Not sorry, are this, do you buy supermarket value? <laughs> Um, chicken or would you go for the more yes uh, go to your butchers I, I have full faith in um, that the chicken that, that you can buy is very well um, farm assured if mm. you like you know, yes. the, the, they do operate like I've spoken about the farm assurance with the, it's the highly regulated the thing, it is yes. um, and they're very well inspected and it, it is a, a, a quality product even the value side mm. um, if I'm having a Christmas turkey I like to have um, a free range one um, we're fortunate in having local producers that mm. have free range and they actually Beautiful. produce organic ones and um, they also supply Marks and Spencer with, with theirs. And uh, because we've done them a favour, they, they give us a turkey. Oh, lovely. That's fantastic. Go. And there's nothing better yeah, than of course. The, the taste of it. Yes. But for every day during the use, year, yes. I'm quite happy to use um, you know what, whatever chicken is on the shelf of the, of the supermarket because I have right. full faith that, that Good. There we are. it, so, it and, is going to eat. Is that... Full faith in British chicken, because again, I work with a butcher, he's a master butcher, he buys the Welsh Blacks from the Royal Welsh Show, oh, he, he knows where to source his yes, meat, he's the yes. best, he's a master butcher, yes, yes. Um, you know, he's in his 60s, he's, he's a yes. proper butcher from, from back mm-hmm, in the day, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he says, well, he, he, in fact, I've asked him for chicken now for Christmas, yeah. and he said, you'll have to wait, he said, the chicken we got at the minute's terrible, he said, it's him from Italy. Oh no. So, there we go, so, oh no, so... He's, yeah. he's sometimes, like yeah. at the moment, he said that their supplier of, of normal uh, free range from up in the Ask Valley, because yeah. he's been getting stuff from up in, um, in Ask, mm. he said they've, they've, they've stopped supplying them for whatever reason and they've, right. they've been forced to buy elsewhere. Oh. And um, he wouldn't give it to me because he, he won't eat it, no. so he won't give it to me. Oh. And that's the type of chap he is. He's yeah. very clean eating yeah. and, and he, he's very kind of into his food. He's a very healthy yeah. chap. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, I, would would, you, I would totally endorse that. I, I, you're back I that always up, try yeah. to source because British. You, at least I know in my own way how mm. that the regulations that are surrounding that mm. and, the, and the assurance that's that gives you that. confidence. And uh, you don't know with the stuff that. that comes from abroad basically no. uh, you don't know what welfare standards you hear stories and and i yes, yes. would just rather go with i always try and buy british i, mean, I, safe, I won't yes. buy anything off a, a supermarket shelf that, that doesn't say that it, it is british you yeah. know yeah and the same uh, as you say more and more so um with the information we've been uh, kind of uh, hearing so there we did we speak about the GMOs so you, there's, there's a ban of G, GMOs yes. in Europe for humans yes. and, and it's yes. not you say it's not yes. sneaking into the food chain no, of the animals no. um, the, we can't produce within Europe there's a regulation that um, genetically modified um, products um, sort of feed sources from all over the world they can't be imported into Europe to feed um, animals right good um, the, there's sometimes is um, 
if you see a feed ticket on a farm um, that it says it's guaranteed to contain less than 1% genetically modified, that is because these boats that carry all these raw materials around the world, um, they cannot guarantee that there might be a speck of... The previous of, loads. Yes, right. left on the thing. So to cover themselves, they might put that on the, on right. the bottom of the ticket. But it's not to say they're actively putting them in, but they're just afraid that, that uh, there's a possibility that there might be some cross-contamination somewhere, so that they put that in to cover themselves. Why not? Just last point now, in the back of my head, maybe somebody else is thinking this. We mentioned we got a, a grass farm in Aberystwyth, which is genetically engineering grass. Is that how is that different to genetically modified food, or is it going down a similar path? Right, they're not genetically modifying; they're breeding. Ah, right. Like. So they're, so they're like like you breed two animals together. Theory of evolution, sort of thing. Yes. To, yes. Uh, to yes. Sort of, uh, so what they're doing is they they may be bringing in um, a grass plant from off the Himalayas. I think this grass grows well in the, in the mountains. Right, so the crossbreed like with yes. the dog or any That's other right. kind of. And right. then they think, well, the, the, there must be some genes in that that we'd like to have it in in our grasses. So Brilliant. they they, right. they okay. cross so they that with a new species native, as opposed yeah. to. And then you get maybe higher sugar from the grasses we've got in this country, but the survivability of a grass you get in the Himalayas, and they they're just crossbreeding all the t- all the time. Right. You know, okay. Great. That's, that's great. That sounds perfectly. Uh, kind of uh, clear for, for me now so so just to check through my little list here now Delana I think we've got through some really good stuff for people there we've kind of shared a lot of good reassuring information for people that uh, if they're going to be out in the supermarkets they, they can be rest assured and in the, the, the local butchers they can be rest assured to get some good quality probably just put the price of Welsh meat up a couple of quid there as well. Uh, <laughs> well got people all over the world. The, yeah, got the people. The radio this morning that, that apparently there's been an upsurge in the purchase of local meat um, over the last few months, um, probably as a result of the, the horse meat scandal. But people are asking more for locally sourced meat and, and the supermarkets as well. They're, they're buying, they're asking for British and, and Welsh, you know. Good. That's, mm. that's lovely that's to hear, great. isn't it? That's yeah, great. That's uh, what it's we... nice. Just to support your local farmers. I mean, if you yes. look around you, yeah. they're the ones that are keeping the countryside yeah. looking nice yeah. for you. So please take every opportunity to support them. I couldn't mm. agree with you more. And, and as you say, if they're, they're producing gold standard beef, then they, they should be applauded, really, and yes. rewar- rewarded as well for yes. that. So thank you for your time. Really appreciate you coming in and sharing all that information with us. Uh, so without further ado, that is um, all from Delana for today. I just want to do a little bit of housekeeping as normal. If you do have any questions about things we've spoken about today or have any gene- uh, generic questions about health, exercise uh, or nutrition, email them to me at info at richard-clark.co.uk and Mark, uh, Dr. Mark Daniels and I will be sure to answer them on the next Q&A uh, episode that we do. Thank you for listening. That's uh, bye from me. And bye from me, Delana. <laughs> Bye-bye. You, Me and the GP Radio Show is intended for general information purposes and is not meant to diagnose, treat or cure any disease. It is not designed to provide specific advice and anyone with a medical problem should seek the advice from their own doctor. Please note, we accept absolutely no responsibility if you turn into a fitter, stronger, more energetic and all-round better version of yourself. To get the show notes, just head on over to richard-clark.co.uk.